0: Hi there friends welcome to the eat pray run podcast i'm your host arena Lazo gilmore young and if you've listened to our podcast in the past i just want to say i'm so thrilled to have you back here at my table if you're new around here welcome You can expect a thoughtful story, an engaging interview, and a little prayer. And today, I'm going to be chatting with my friend Becky Keefe. She is the community manager for Encourage by Dayspring, and she's going to be sharing about an exciting new collaborative book project that I actually got to be a part of as well. It's called Come Sit With Me, and it's written by the storytellers at Encourage about how to delight in differences, love through disagreements, and live With discomfort. As we continue with season four, join us for an adventure chasing God's glory as we eat, pray, and run. My husband Sean and I host these conversations with athletes, artists, chefs, coaches, and authors about the intersection of food fitness, and faith, and we would love for you to join us in the conversation. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9. We are here for it, and we hope you are too. Each week, I like to start by sharing a short essay or reflection, and I'm actually going to read a little excerpt from the Come Sit With Me book that we're gonna be talking about today with Becky Keefe. I had the privilege of writing one of the chapters, and so I thought it would be fun to share a little bit from the chapter that I wrote. Now, this book is full of stories from all different women from different walks of life, different cultural backgrounds. They live in different geographic places, but we are all talking about this idea of being able to delight in differences, love through disagreements, and live with discomfort. Here is part of my chapter, chapter 22, learning to disagree while still honoring my parents. In March 2020, the world shut down. We did not know what a global pandemic would entail or how long it would last, but suddenly we were all in the thick of it. Where i live in california we were instructed to shelter at home people went out for groceries toiletries and gas but that was about it gatherings were canceled sports were canceled broadway was canceled school life group bible study group and work-related meetings were moved to zoom and other online forums weeks gave way to grueling months of time spent separated from our people churches and workplaces. You probably have your own story of what living through that season was like. During the pandemic, God showed me that one of the most powerful ways I could offer hospitality in this crisis was actually to invite my parents to shelter at home with us. Both of them are retired, and I quickly recognized that they were struggling with the frustration and loneliness of being isolated. We all were. As a family, we decided we wanted to provide a place of respite and connection for them. My husband and I talked it over and decided to limit our interaction with other people to protect my parents. And they stayed with us most weekends and some weeknights too. Admittedly, this was more of a challenge than I expected. I was suddenly thrust into a game of tug of war between roles. I felt jerked back and forth between being a wife, a mother, a daughter, and the woman of the house. At times this tug of war felt overwhelming and depleting. I was trying to parent my own three daughters and also honor my parents whose values sometimes conflicted with ours all under the same roof. We all had to recalibrate. I love my parents dearly and have maintained a good relationship with them over my four decades of life. However, it was different having them live with us. We had to sort out our personality differences and daily family rhythms. My mom is a helper in the truest sense of the word, and she delights in making meals for people, tutoring students and academics, and helping friends when they are sick. She's tender and giving, and sometimes runs herself ragged serving others. She's passionate about certain causes, especially defending the most vulnerable. My dad, on the other hand, prides himself on being a challenger. He thrives by taking on challenges himself, and also by challenging others in conversation. He's wired for productivity. He loves to accomplish things and check boxes, and he prides himself on staying up on the latest news and politics and doesn't shy away from hard conversations. I know I have taken on qualities, passions, and mannerisms from each of my parents. I have also come to recognize that God uniquely created me as distinct and gifted in different ways from my parents. I am a glass half full enthusiast who always loves to share what I'm learning. I'm a creative who enjoys connecting with God through nature, food, and storytelling. I avoid conflict as much as possible. And sometimes these personality differences, plus the personalities of my husband and three daughters, meant we were all bumping up against one another while living in the same house. And sometimes I had to give my girls and myself permission for a time out, not because we had a big blow up, but sometimes you just need time and space to recalibrate. I'd retreat to my bedroom to read a book or take a few extra yoga breaths. Prior to the pandemic, my family had cultivated a rhythm of rest on the weekends, especially on Sundays. We attended church in the morning and then come home for a large meal, just the five of us, or with other families from our life group. We loved lingering around the table. I tried to keep the computer closed and leave my phone on the charger in my bedroom to take a break from the beck and call of social media and emails. Everyone also knows that later in the afternoon, it's nap time at our house. Perhaps you've experienced something similar. Do you have that one friend who rubs you the wrong way whenever a certain subject comes up in conversation? Do you have a family member who is wired differently from you? Is it difficult to sit down at the table with someone in your life who always seems to have a different opinion? For some of us the default may be to run away from the tension or to bury our feelings but maybe god is calling us to stay to work through our frustrations and to learn to set healthy boundaries maybe this is the most generous thing we can offer ourselves and one another i know i'm still a work in progress in this area one thing that has helped me is to regularly go to scripture for guidance and discernment when frustration flares. One of the passages I now run to in the heat of the moment is James 1:19 to 20. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Jesus' brother James was writing to Jewish Christians about practical ways that they could live out their faith. And James was not afraid to get up into people's business. In this section of the letter, he actually addresses speech and unrestrained anger. And James uses a phrase of endearment. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, to indicate a loving tone, not one of judgment. And then he goes on to give what seems like simple instructions, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Easier said than done. I am learning to repeat these instructions to myself and then apply them to my situation. Often our default when we are frustrated or angry with someone is to become defensive or lash out. But instead I'm asking myself, what would it look like to listen well in this situation? Jesus is our greatest model for healthy relationship boundaries. He often took time away to rest, pray, and be in communion with his father. He didn't succumb to arguing or reply to his adversaries with sarcasm. At the same time, Jesus valued each person, and we too must learn how to value one another. Exodus 20:12 instructs, honor your mother and father. For me, this means speaking to my parents with a tone of respect and grace, even if I hold a different political view or a news story hits me in a different way. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I can set and live within healthy boundaries for myself and for my family while still loving and honoring my parents. It's not easy, but it's possible for me and for you. This was a short excerpt from the chapter that I wrote in this book called Come Sit With Me. This is chapter 22, and it is titled Learning to Disagree While Still Honoring My parents. I would encourage you to get a hold of a copy of this brand new book that is releasing November 1st, 2022, published by Ravel, a division of Baker Publishing Group. Listen in as Becky and I talk a little bit more about this project. I'm so excited today to have my dear friend, Becky Keefe here in the studio slash office slash her kitchen and my library. (laughs) And she is the community and editorial manager for Encourage by Dayspring, which is a widely followed online community where authentic women link arms to build community, celebrate diversity and live courageously for Jesus. And I am so privileged to be part of that storytelling community as well. And so that's how I know Becky. Her debut book, No Better Mom for the Job Parenting with Confidence, reflects her passion for empowering moms to find their confidence in God and encouraging women who are in the thick of it. And I love how Becky speaks just so naturally to this audience and out of her own experience. She's also the author of The Simple Difference. How Every Small Kindness Makes a Big Impact, another great book. And it has a companion Bible study also called Courageous Kindness. Those came out in October of 2021. And there is another release, Create in Me a Heart of Peace Bible Study, which I may have mentioned here on the broadcast before. It's actually the Bible study that I've been going through this fall. And we've been joining hearts on Zoom, online together Today, we're going to be chatting about a whole new project that Encourage is launching. It's this beautiful book called Come Sit With Me, and more than two dozen Encourage writers helped to navigate writing this book, which really talks about, you know, how do we weather relational tensions. How do we delight in differences? And so I'm super excited about the launch of this book, which is actually this month. And Becky is here to talk to me a little bit more about that project and a little bit more about some of her endeavors with Encourage. So Becky, welcome to Eat, Pray, Run. Tell us a little bit about
1: yourself, like where you live, your family, your daily work. Well, thanks so much for having me, Darina, and I just love that we get to share this slice of life and hearts together. I call Southern California home. My husband and I have been married for 17 years, and we have three loud, amazing boys. So navigating kind of a a newer season of of parenthood, of, of tweens and teens, and that is Delightful in so many ways and challenging in so many ways, but I love it. I never expected to be a mom of all boys. So God is growing me and stretching me in that capacity all the time. And then, like you mentioned, I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I love speaking to moms and women and churches and retreats. And then my, my quote day job is working for Encourage, which you know, I love encourage. I love that we get to bring stories and resources into women's hands to help them live their faith and live more like Jesus every day. Well, I love all the
0: different intersections that our lives have had kind of three. Yeah. Those live here in California, although I'm in central California and I'm raising three spirited girls. I know you always talk about your spirited boys. Yes. (laughs) We are loud at our house as well, but my kids are similar ages to Becky's and- um, I love also just the way that you are so honest and transparent about parenting and family life and some of the things that you're struggling with, but let's talk a little bit more about Encourage Cause I'm going to guess that there's some people listening who have no idea what encourage is like, why are we even saying that word encourage over and over again? So <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what that is and how you got involved in and what that role is for you. Cause I, I can say your title, but what does it mean you actually do for encourage? Yeah.
1: So we're actually saying the word in like I in, and, and it sounds like encourage, like we're, but it is encouraging. It, it's basically an online community for Christian women that really has expanded so much even beyond online. Cause now we have Bible studies and books and podcasts and all these things. So picture like, so our logo is the word in, in parentheses, followed by the word courage and encourage was founded by our friends, Stephanie Bryant and Holly Gerth. 12 years ago. And with the whole idea that we can live courageously, we can be in courage when we are in Christ. So I've been on staff with encourage now for six years, which time is just crazy. I can't believe it's been that long, but I was actually a very early reader of the community. And I stumbled upon this blog Back when we called them blogs through actually Lisa Leonard, someone had given me a gift card for my birthday, a friend to her online jewelry shop. And I thought that was really cool. And I started following her blog and she wrote wrote about motherhood and her son with special needs. And then one day she said, you know, read the rest of of this story over on Encourage. And I was like, what's Encourage? So I click over and I read the rest of Lisa's story. And then I read the next article and the next article and the next one. And I felt like my heart had found up because I saw other women who were thinking deeply, feeling deeply, wrestling with questions about motherhood and marriage and ministry and calling. And I saw what I wasn't seeing in my regular life at that point in my life, which was kind of a mediocre version of Christianity. And I thought, I think it's more than this. Mm. I think that Jesus really is interested in my whole life, not just on Sundays. And I saw a reflection of women writing there. So anyhow, fast forward several years and God opened the door for me to come on staff first in the capacity as an editor, handling all of our guest posts, moving into full-time editor, and then being invited to step into the role of community manager, which really just gets mean, it means a lot of things. I have wear a lot of different hats in that capacity, but I get to kind of be the the shepherd of our team of writers, kind of help cast some vision, be the face and voice of Encourage in some ways. And now I'm also have taken back on the editorial work. And so, you know, we put out articles seven days a week. So those words from our writers get to go through my editorial hands and I get to help bring forth projects, collaborative projects, like come sit with me. And when I kind of got to help create the vision and, and and the language around what is this, what is this book that God is calling us to write? And I really felt that that, that was an invitation from him to tell these, these hard stories for the sake of encouraging others. I love how you describe some of the different hats that you wear. And I wanted to take a
0: little time so that people could get A sense of the scope of Encourage because it's not just a website, it's a community. And especially now, I think I've been on staff for five years. I came on as a storyteller after you are the community manager. I also love how Encourage is really about bringing together women from all different walks of life. So Mm -hmm. we have cultural diversity within the members of our staff and our storytellers. We also have women who are. Living in different geographical locations across the US and even in Canada, and even from different generations, we're from different right. age groups and kind of seasons of life. And so, similar to you, I found Encourage years ago and I started as a reader. It was actually through Lisa Jo Baker, who used to be on staff and was a writer that I really admired. I loved getting to know some of her stuff. And through MOPS, then I also. Connected a little bit with more with Dayspring. So Dayspring is our parent company. Dayspring is also part of Hallmark. You have probably seen lots of Dayspring products in your local Bible bookstore, if that even exists anymore, and some of the online spaces because they have Christian books as well as Bibles and gift products. So one of the books that I have gotten to work on with you is this book, Come Sit With Me, that's launching this month. And this book is different. This book has a little bit of a different angle from some of the other devotionals and things that we have written. And so I wonder if you could spend a little bit of time just giving the backstory, like where did the idea for come sit with me come from? And then let's talk about how the book is organized a
1: little bit. Yeah. So we knew that as a community, we were going to write another full length book and we were really just having conversations and, and, and honestly praying about God, like what, what is the need of our community? What is, what is our personal need in terms of where to, where are we lacking encouragement and equipping? And then how is our community of storytellers uniquely equipped to speak into that need? And so the, the, the kind of need that arose was this idea of gosh, relationships are really hard right now. Coming out of 2020, 2021, like I think we are all so keenly aware of how, divisive our culture has become, how glaring our differences are. And not that differences are bad, but that they have become relational obstacles that sometimes we feel like either we don't know how to move past or we've given up hope that it's even possible to to, to navigate these differences. And so we started talking about this idea of like, what if, what if we told the stories that no one wants to tell? Like, what if we talked about the things that keep us from sitting together at at a dining room table or what are the things that make us unfriend someone on Facebook or ignore someone that we see, you know, in Costco because we just can't go there. And so there was like this, this excitement and this consensus of like, yes, like we need that book, but we started affectionately calling it the book everyone wanted to read, but nobody wanted to write (laughs) because none of us are quote experts on how to, how to do these things. And really, Darina, the subtitle encapsulates this book really well. It is how to delight in differences, love through disagreements, and live with discomfort. And so tackling our big differences in today's culture, tackling the things that we disagree about, and is it actually possible to love others when we disagree? And then how do we acknowledge that sometimes there are relational tensions and brokenness that won't go away? Well, how do we continue to draw close to God and draw near to one another in the midst of that kind of discomfort? And so eventually we all said, okay, this book is really hard to write. I'm not quite sure how to, as writers, tell some hard stories, but we know that this is important work. And so we're going to trust that God is going to help us do that. And, and he did. And we have 26 amazing, unique chapters that I know everyone who reads this book is going to see themselves in at least one, if not multiple stories. You know what,
0: Becky, I remember us having a zoom meeting. So I was like seeing all of your faces on the little squares, which we're so accustomed to now. (laughs) And we were brainstorming what some of these chapters could include. And I feel like it was not difficult to brainstorm, but like you Mm -hmm. said, then the nitty gritty of actually getting into the writing was the hard part. Like, how are we going to tell these stories? And I remember even for myself, I was praying about what could I include I ended up writing a story about learning to disagree with my parents who I love dearly. And I did not want to dishonor in any way, but probably like most of our listeners are times where we don't get along with our parents. And you know how do we Mm -hmm. navigate that? I can just speak about my own journey, but I, I know that this was true probably for some other writers as well. It was a journey for me to say, okay, I'm gonna write about this uncomfortable situation and I'm gonna figure out how to write about it in a way that still is true still mm-hmm. is relatable but also honoring cuz my parents are alive and they're going to read the book and so this was a special challenge i feel like to me as a writer i would love to hear about some of the other stories in the book i'm looking at the index right now just so many different topics but are there any that kind of bubble to the surface for you that you were like oh wow this is this is a hard topic like some of our fellow writers who
1: dove into some things that were personal or difficult. I mean, so many. The book after the introduction opens with chapter one from Jennifer Dukes Lee. And she talks about how she and her husband most often have very different political views. And I think we can all put ourselves in that, in those shoes, right now of being like, yeah, this person that I, that I love and respect, like, why do we have such wildly different beliefs? And so she talks about how that was a source of, of, of tension and even knowing that they would be going to the polling place together and that their votes would essentially cancel the other person out. And how do you navigate that? And so, but I love how Jennifer and, and like all of our writers are really honest about just the reality of that. And yet bringing us to a place of hope. And basically, you know, she talks about how they started this practice of after, after each time they they went to the polling place and cast their ballots, they would choose to elevate their relationship and their love for one another over their differences and disagreements. Mm -hmm. And so they did that by going to this little local diner, and they would sit in the same vinyl booth every time. And they would just sit together and share some diner food and listen really listen to the other person. And sometimes they would come to a place of, you know, understanding where the other person was coming from. Sometimes they wouldn't, but it was this practice of honoring and respecting and caring more about the relationship than the thing that felt really divisive. So I appreciate her talking about that. I appreciate Patricia Raybon talking about religious differences Mm -hmm. and how she has navigated her relationship with her daughter who converted from Christianity to Islam. And gosh, that's hard when Mm -hmm. something, something so foundational to who you are, such as your religious belief system is different from someone you care about. And then I think of Jamie (laughs) Nato writes about like basically the, like the dumpster fire of internet comments and how in this online space, uh, people can just be so, so brutal and cutting with their words. And what is our part in, in playing into that and, and participating in that? And how do we love others, even when we're not agreeing with what they're saying online. So we kind of, yeah, we, we run the gamut (laughs) in this book and I know that you are not the only one that, that wrestled with. So I got to kind of walk with our writers through, through the writing and, you know, and to have those conversations of like, oh, I feel like this is a story I'm supposed to tell, but, but how, how do I do it? And I feel like that we're not throwing any person or belief system or political party under the bus. Like it's not about This book isn't about any particular positions, but it's really about a renewed perspective, a perspective that that honors tenderness and curiosity and really asks God for the wisdom and for him to move in ways that only he can.
0: And that's one of the things that I love about this book is because it is inviting us into those hard stories and those hard places. On the back cover, it talks about how the book is also an invitation. It's an invitation for us to delight in differences, which is in the subtitle. It's an invitation for us to honor and value others. Even when we disagree with them, it's an invitation for us to connect before we correct. Mm -hmm. I really love that. And then finally, just an invitation to trust that God is working even when people disappoint you. And I feel like whether we're in a pandemic or post pandemic or whatever season, Those are things that we are dealing
1: with. And Mm -hmm.
0: it's not just like a, here's a shiny, happy, you know, tie it in a bow kind of ending book. It's more of that invitation to move in deeper and to find grace in the midst of those situations. So here on Eat, Pray, Run, we love to talk about a couple of main topics. One of them is food. And I noticed that there are several stories you even mentioned Jennifer Lee's opening story that mm-hmm. happens at the table. Are there any other stories that maybe you could highlight that kind of center around this idea of food and gathering around the table?
1: Yeah, there are several that came to mind. That chapter that I mentioned from Patricia Raybon about her, she and her daughter, she talks about how one way that she has learned to navigate that relationship is sometimes it's not to always have that hard conversation. Sometimes it's just to be together. And so she writes about she and her daughter making holiday pies in the kitchen. And her her daughter was like, look, mom, like, we're not arguing. We're just, we're just together. And that process of, you know, peeling apples and rolling out crust and just being together over food was, was was building a bridge of connection and mutual affection. And in that way was helping to, to mend some of those fractured relational pieces. And then in my story, I, I write about the effects of my parents' divorce Mm -hmm. and kind of the emotional shrapnel that, that I dealt with growing up as a kid and into my adult years. Um, But how it was actually over food over a Thanksgiving dinner and actually sitting at the table that God honestly worked a miracle in my family and from my parents not even be able to sit near each other at my wedding to the Holy Spirit working in my mom's heart and uh, prompting her to invite my dad over for a Thanksgiving meal when he was kind of in this really difficult pit in his life. And he said, yes. And over this meal, God did the impossible. Like I didn't ever think that my parents would choose to be in the same room together again. And that became the first of many meals that we would end up sharing before my dad passed away. So food is absolutely a really beautiful thread throughout this book. Um, And I think it is especially fitting as we think about like the act of sitting together and what that makes possible.
0: I love those examples. And all of those stories are really different contexts, but just thinking about how, you know, either preparing food or serving food or sitting down at the table can be like that neutralizer and Mm -hmm. can express that care and even the space to listen. I think that's really powerful for us to think about. We've talked about that on a couple of different episodes as well. I've had a couple of chefs who have been guests here on eat, pray, run oh, and that's fun. It's recognizing. Yeah. That like when we prepare food, that something happens, especially when we do that together, or we do that to serve others. So I love those examples. So Becky, one of the things that I'm also really interested in is how prayer can play a role, especially when we're navigating relational tension And I wonder if there are any examples from the book that you see our writers employing prayer or engaging in prayer as part of this process.
1: Yeah, for sure. A chapter by Lucretia Berry comes to mind and she writes about a really hard situation where basically she was she was blindsided and accused of things that she didn't do and just kind of verbally and emotionally attacked by someone in her community, a leader who she respected. And her chapter is all about forgiveness and how she honestly didn't want to forgive. And she didn't think this person deserved her forgiveness. And I see kind of Lucretia walks us through that, not easy or shiny process that it took her a really long time, but that how God through prayer just kept on reminding, bringing scripture to Lucretia's heart and also reminding her like, this isn't going to happen in an instant. This is going to be a continual process, a continual conversation that we have. And that it, you know, I just, I saw that through prayer, God was really gentle with her and was like, I'm going to give you time. You need time and you need space heal. And it's a picture of, of what wrestling in prayer can look like. And that's not always comfortable. It's not easy. Like I know most of us would rather have just a really quick, like, yes, I forgive you. This hard thing is behind me and even just in my own life in the past couple of weeks like a really hard relational wound has come to the surface and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I thought I forgiven. Maybe I haven't. Like, Lord, help me." And I'm grateful that we can we can pray our way through. It reminds me, you know, of that verse like, "Lord, I believe help my unbelief." Mm-hmm. Like, and so, you know, I think that's uh, you know, applies to to forgiveness as well. And so, that's a really encouraging chapter for sure. And I also think back to, I had mentioned Jamie Nato's chapter about, about internet comments and that kind of thing. And one thing I appreciated about Jamie's chapter was as she is identifying, you know, these different difficulties that she has faced online and how easy it is to, to point the finger and to blame other people and to scrutinize and criticize, you know, how dare you say that, but what she does is she also models what it is to turn Inward and reflect. And she offers this beautiful prayer as part of checking her own perspective. She says, so I pray I am the problem. Forgive me Lord for wanting to murder this person with my words for Mm -hmm. believing I am more worthy of your gift of grace than he is. Give me the supernatural power to love someone I think of as my enemy. I can't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Isn't that such an honest yeah. Prayer. Vulnerable and powerful at the same time. I love
0: that. Thanks for sharing that one. You know, and it just reminds me that this is a power of story. This is a power of telling our stories. And I feel like, like the example that you gave of Lucretia, like she's leading us as readers by telling her story and even kind of what she struggled with and how she prayed through that really hard Mm -hmm. situation. And it inspires and it convicts me when I read those types of stories. So I really want to encourage people to get a copy of this book. Where can they find Come Sit With Me? How can they connect with this project that's coming out? (laughs)
1: Yes. Well, come sit with me. It's available wherever, wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, dayspring.com. You can find out more. You can download if you'd like just to get a sample first, you can download the introduction and first two chapters for free at encourageme slash come sit with me. I'm guessing Darina can link that in the show notes. And I also want to say like, this would be a great book, of course, like to read on your own, but also to read in community. Mm. And so the, the end of each chapter ends with questions to sit with, and there are three to ask yourself and three questions to ask God. So that's another practice of prayer and processing through prayer. And then at the end of the book. Um, there are 40 questions about questions to ask when you're sitting together. And so another great resource for a community to, to get to know people, to mend relationships, to deepen relationships, to really grow closer to God and others through the things that we would rather run from. I'm grateful I got to be part of this project on the ground level, but even if I hadn't, like, it's just... So unique and so powerful. I wish I could just give everyone a copy because it is, it is that good.
0: Well, I'm super excited for people to get their hands on this. It's a beautiful cover. Those of our friends who are on YouTube watching this, you can see a little glimpse of the cover, but it has... Okay, tell me, a little teacup or is it a bowl of? Soup? I think it's I
1: think it's a coffee cup with okay, like different colors. Cup. Or you could or you
0: could say it's chai or know, you know, see, tea I always go to the chai. I'm always thinking it's chai and then it has yes. this gold dusting. So, I love the colors of the cover are inviting to me. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention that for some of our listeners, some of you may already be a part of my newsletter community. That's called my glory Graham tribe, but I'm giving away a copy of this book in the month of November for someone who is part of that tribe. So you can just hop over to dorinagilmore.com and subscribe over there. And like Becky said, you can find it in all the places. So we will definitely put some links in the show notes. I mean, go get the free chapters and check it out if you want. And you might consider doing it like with a book club or with some family members or some friends because it does have those questions. So it's easy to engage with it. You know, Becky, before we close, I want to ask you a little bit more of a personal question that I love to ask my guests. What is one of the ways that you have experienced God's glory in this season of your life?
1: Mm, I love that question. I'm in a season of of rest in a lot of ways. I mean, my life is very full and busy right now, so it feels kind of funny to say that. But like, I feel like this year, God has invited me into just like a deeper kind of soul rest, and I am I'm experiencing His glory and freedom. In I'm looking outside my back window right now, and we have these liquid amber trees that are just starting to turn their leaves colors. And in just like the, the simpleness of knowing, okay, I could take a break from work. I can just go sit on my back porch and pause in prayer and take in the beauty around me or take a nap when I need it. And I'm seeing that God really is my strength. And I don't want to, I don't want to just keep striving. I want to rely on him. And and when I do that, I, I see that he's doing things that only he could do. And that brings me so much joy and just praising his glory. Mm, That does sound glorious. I love how you
0: talked about rest, even in the midst of a busy season. I think both of those can exist together. They can coexist. Yeah. Thanks for that example. Well, how can our listeners connect with you and connect with encourage? Is there any way that we can support you or the ministry?
1: Yeah. Thanks for asking. I love hanging out on Instagram. So I'm at Becky Keefe on Instagram. If you hear this episode and want to come and say hi to me there, I would love that. I write about anxiety and motherhood and living intentionally with kindness. Those are some of my favorite things to talk and write about. And you can follow Encourage. I would encourage you to come over to Encourage.me. You can sign up for our daily articles. We'll come straight to your inbox. You can subscribe to the Encourage podcast. And we are on all the social media channels just at Encourage with an I. And if you are looking for just, yeah, more stories that are not, are not shiny or tidy, but are real and raw and point to the hope of Jesus. You can find more of that over at Encourage. Thanks so much, Becky. You know, I'd love to
0: close out this broadcast with a little prayer. Would you be willing to
1: pray over us? I'd love to. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the God of the impossible, that what is impossible for man is not impossible for you. And that is certainly true of our salvation, but it's also true of how we navigate relationships. And I just, I pray for anyone who's listening, who is just feeling the weight of relational brokenness. Or relational hopelessness of feeling like the differences or disagreements that they're facing today are insurmountable. And God, I just would ask that with your grace and your love and your wisdom, that you would provide a way forward, that you would encourage the hearts of your sons and daughters to, to know that simply by inviting someone to come to sit together, to maybe share a cup of chai or something yummy to eat and be willing to, to listen could be the first step towards some relational healing. So we thank you that you are always with us, that you never leave us and that we can trust you in all things. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Becky. Thank you for your voice. And thank you for pointing us back to God's glory.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you for joining us today for season four, episode nine of the Eat, Pray, Run podcast. We would love to stay in touch with you more personally. Just hop over to DorenaGilmore.com and sign up for my weekly Glory Gram. This is a personal letter that includes a devotion and a list of resources that I curate each week. And it's really meant to encourage you on your glory chasing journey. I will be right back here next Wednesday to drop our next episode of Eat, Pray, Run. Let's chase God's glory together.